Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love, linked in the show notes. The reason Bubble is interesting is because I think it's the most powerful of these types of platforms where you could build it on Bubble and continue to scale for years and years. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Hi, this is Joseph Ogin, and I'm a product manager. I built platforms used by AOL, Coca-Cola, and National Geographic. I love listening to We Are LA Tech because Esprit and her team really make it easy for us to understand the LA Tech community and really break down how companies and users can utilize this new emerging technologies to build businesses and connect with their communities you can follow me online at josephhogin.com. That's Joseph Hogin, H-O-L-G-U-I-N.com. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. So I'm going to be super real with you guys. As I, I guess I always am in this personal spot. I have been so burnt out. It's like I haven't been prioritizing myself. Like I keep teetering. I keep working towards prioritizing myself. And then I bounce back and I, I don't again. And then feels like why isn't anything actually getting done? And my head feels frantic. And what kind of life is that? Like true success is when we enjoy living in our own bodies, in our own minds. Like at the end of the day, that's what a successful life is, is the enjoyment of life itself, right? I don't know if you guys feel differently. I'm open to a conversation about it. Definitely feel free to message me on any social if you have a difference of opinion or even if you have the same opinion, I would love to hear it. But I just, today's Sunday. I know you're listening to this later in the week, but for me, today's Sunday and I am just sitting here, studying my calendar and asking myself, is everything in my calendar in alignment with where I want to go and with what will make me feel absolutely great? And it's tough, you know, especially as entrepreneurs and as people in the tech space, we have so much going on, so many meetings, so many opportunities, so many learning experiences. But at the end of the day, if we're frazzled, which leads to being short-tempered, all these things that just aren't good, right? If I'm all these things, it's just not a successful life. So I need to get it together. And I'm not together today. I feel like I barely know what my own name is (laughs) at the moment. But at least this is really like open and honest. And hopefully it makes you feel like less alone when you're experiencing stuff like that. 
And it's really, really important we prioritize ourselves because if we can't take care of ourselves, then how in the world can we serve others? You know, enjoy the next episode that I worked so hard on. I appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye. We are LA Tech Podcast, celebrating LA Tech companies and talent. So excited, actually, for this bonus episode we have on how to build with no code. So if you've been stuck on how to build your company, this is what you should be listening to right now. I have invited a special guest, Yao, to join us. He is from Bubble. Hello and welcome, Yao. Thank you for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech Podcast. It is so exciting to be here. You are a delight. This podcast is a delight, and I'm just glad to be able to be part of this. <laughs> oh, I'm stoked. Okay, to kick things off, why don't you go ahead and share a little bit about who you are and what you do? So currently, I am the director of the Immerse Pre-Accelerator for Black, Indigenous, and Founders of Color at Bubble. I'm also leading founder inclusion at Bubble, which means I basically run all the DNI programming at the company, diversity and inclusion. And my background is in, I used to be a consultant at Bain & Company, and I previously went to Princeton University. But right now, super stoked about enabling founders to build without code. And this is a special edition because for full transparency, Yao is not based in LA. Where are you based? I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, but we are allowing it because I had one of the most phenomenal conversations with Yao about how to build without code, including even sites like Facebook. You could literally build a Facebook without code. And I know that sounds just insane and impossible. So that's why I thought that Yao would be such an added value for our community to empower us all for us feeling stuck like, oh, I need to find a developer. I need to find a developer. Where do I find a developer? How do I build? I have an app idea. I have an app idea. Oh, I'm stuck. Or I got totally burned by my developer. My developer is holding my code hostage. I know all the things. I've been in the game for a really long time. Yao is going to save all of our days by guiding us how to build with using no code. I think to kick things off, let's not make any assumptions. This term no code, we've been seeing it on Twitter. We've been seeing it online. What does it mean? Yeah, no code is almost a misnomer because there's code involved. What no code means is building a platform or a website using point and click visual interfaces, kind of like how you would use Microsoft Word to write an essay, right? There's code behind that Microsoft Word that's creating those words. It's the same thing, except translated to building a website. And in the case of Bubble, building a platform like Facebook from scratch without typing in any codes in the terminal. You're basically just dragging and dropping buttons and telling it what to do using if-then statements. And... First of all, yes, tell us what Bubble does, but then please, please, please share what all of you have to do as like a test before getting initiated into Bubble on the workforce because it was amazing. Oh yeah, okay. So Bubble is pretty much the only platform that lets you build completely open-ended software like Facebook, like Airbnb or Instagram without writing any lines of code. What Esprit is referring to is as part of my onboarding for Bubble, and I'm not making this up, I had to build Facebook as part of the bubble test to be officially part of the bubble community as an employee. And I had no previous experience coding anything at all. I'm pretty good at Excel because I used to be a consultant, but before then it was a real struggle for me. But I managed to build Facebook, I think over the course of a day or two. And then I managed to get past that as a hurdle. So (laughs) here for me, it's very possible to build this type of stuff. It just takes a little learning. And when you say you were able to do it in a day or two, what kind of Mm -hmm. Facebook features did it have? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Okay. So I built uh, a newsfeed for every user. 
a login page for anyone to use. I also built an account page where you can have a profile picture, you can have your favorite friends. I made it such that you could invite people to the platform and then they could also post in groups. And then I was working on a group feature for the actual platform itself because Facebook just introduced that, but I didn't finish that whole thing out. But you can imagine it as I had all the functionality of Facebook as of, I would say, 2016 within the platform. What does the project visioning looks like when, okay, so I'm a new entrepreneur or mm-hmm. I'm an entrepreneur that's been burned by my developer and I'm exactly. really seeking solutions right now. Mm-hmm. And I discover that there's this no code community, but I don't even know where to get started or what to think about. Do I have to write out my list of features? What is the process, the project planning process when going down this path? I guess what I would say is, the smartest thing you could do is to build a wireframe of some sort. And for people who don't know what that is, a wireframe can be as legitimate as using something like Figma to build each page of your app and how it's going to interact with itself. But it could also just be you drawing on a piece of paper, each page, drawing out the buttons, the text, and then just pointing out with arrows, this is what I want it to do. Once you have that wireframe, it's just a matter of learning the platform that you're using to build and translate that into action. In the case of Bubble, I usually will draw on a notebook. I want this page to do this and this and this. Then I'll go into Bubble and drag and drop buttons and stuff onto a page. And then I'll go into the workflow section and say, when you click this button, take me to this page. Everyone's a little bit different, but I think what's shared across everybody is creating a plan, which is just, these are my pages. This is how those pages talk to each other. And then jumping into the platform and trying to make that happen. And you mentioned Figma. I actually just Mm -hmm. learned Figma in the last couple of days. So for any of you who don't know, Figma is one option to do a wireframe. There's Balsamic, there's Envision app. There's great different options. Um, Figma is like the talk of the town apparently right now in the tech community. So, okay, so you do that. And then what are next steps from there? So this is where, you know, it kind of depends on who you are. And I'll tell you how I do this as someone who is very new to building with no code. So what I'll do is I will literally translate my wireframe into the bubble editor. And that's really easy because there are different elements, as we call them. There's button elements, there's text elements, there's input elements. And I'll just drag and drop them into the page and just pretend it works. So page one, put all the things on the page. Page two, put all the things on the page. Once all the elements are on the page, then I start to think, okay, I want this to not just be a static page. I want people to actually be able to do things with this. So I'll go to my first button that, say, takes the user from one page to the other. I'll click on that button, and then I'll go to the workflows and say, navigate the user from page one to page two. And then I'm done with that button for the rest of the app. And I just go step-by-step for every element that I put into my different pages of my app and just make sure to program all of those workflows. And once I'm done doing that, that usually takes a few hours. Then I have an MVP. I can go test it out with folks. They can tell me what's broken and what doesn't work. And I can go through and just fix that, which is another big important piece. The best part about no code, it's great that you don't need a developer. But to me, the most incredible part about it is you can get feedback in hours, not weeks, not months, but in hours. I can build something, show it to someone, and then fix it, and then show back to them again within the same day which is super difficult to do, even if you're an expert coder. So really exciting. I have so many questions. One question being, is Bubble, and and to be fair, any of the other, you know, like tools in the space, because Bubble's not Mm -hmm. the only one, right? It's not, no. Yeah. So is Bubble or any of the other no-cold tools in the space, are they a band-aid, like a temp fix until you rebuild into, quote-unquote, the real tech company? Or is it your end product? Yeah. So most no-code platforms are band-aids. That's basically been the 
discourse and it's how people think about no code in large part because when people think no code, they usually think Wix or Squarespace. It's kind of a landing page that you use until you can get funding to build out your platform. The reason Bubble is interesting is because I think it's the most powerful of these types of platforms where you could build it on Bubble and continue to scale for years and years. We actually have a few companies, uh, Comment, which I think they scaled to a million dollars in annual retained revenue on Bubble. Dividend, I believe, processed over a billion dollars through the Bubble platform. Crazy. There are a few companies that have been through YC on the Bubble platform. Even in the Immerse program, uh, the winner of our demo day is currently part of the Antler Accelerator. Um, and her app is in the App Store, but it's built on Bubble. So it's really, in Bubble's case, it's up to you. You can start it on Bubble, get your feedback, and choose if you want to to leave. But if you choose to stay, you're you know in ranks of people who manage to build, make lots of money, raise money. It's pretty much up to you. So you can scale with Bubble. You mentioned Wix and Squarespace, just in case. I feel like everybody listening knows, but those are website right. builder companies. So you mentioned YC. Can you tell us what is YC? Sure. Uh, YC is short for Y Combinator. Very well-known, I guess, early stage accelerator slash investor in San Francisco or in the Bay Area. And I mentioned them just because at this point, I think people think of them as like the gold standard for startups. Um, and we've had a few companies at Bubble who've made it through that program. So Amazing. And okay, so I have so many questions. One very basic question. Does Bubble have an academy? Like something where I could join and learn so I feel like I'm not alone in the process? Yes. So Bubble introduced boot camps, which are, there are eight students per boot camp, and there will be a Bubble instructor. They typically go over the course of eight weeks, and they're designed to help you build and launch whatever it is you're trying to do. And we also have the Immerse program, although it's a little bit different because it's more of an accelerator, but it also has that Bubble educational piece. And finally, we just introduced Bubble's coaching marketplace, which is an area where you can basically go and find an instructor to coach you through as you build your app. Because from personal experience, building on no code is basically feels like you're flying, you hit a wall, mm. you wait, then you fly, then you hit a wall and you wait. Mm. And those coaches can help you fly over that wall every single time and save you some time. So there are a few options. And I know you guys, some of you may be like, oh, this is just a big ad for Bubble. I, I, for me, it's <laughs> not that. Like I have been an entrepreneur my entire life. I feel like I've been an entrepreneur since I was born. I remember memories of wanting to be a founder as a little girl. I built the first action sports social network. I've been through it. And yeah. so how Yao has empowered me to understand the no-code world and the possibility of Bubble, even being heavily immersed in the space, really, really made me feel energized and hopeful about my enhanced possibilities to build. And so as much as this may feel like, oh, it's just all about bubble and how lucky like <laughs> everybody. No, I think this is an amazing opportunity to see what our options are as builders. Exactly. And so with that being said, for the sake of sounding like an ad, but is there a cost with Bubble Bootcamp, the Immerse program and Bubble Coaching Marketplace? I think this is important. I want to know. I feel right. like if I want to know, everybody else must want to know. So sure. yeah, I, I genuinely want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I'll say is that anyone can make a hobby plan on Bubble for free and you can start building your app and then not upgrade until you absolutely feel like you have to. A lot of people use the hobby plan at first. As far as the paid options to learn, the boot camps are $750 a seat and that's for the eight weeks. The coaching marketplace, it depends on the coach. Each coach has a different hourly rate. And so you just work with that coach and pay for as many hours as you feel like is worth it for you. And the Immerse program is completely free um, and we don't take any equity from the companies we work with. However, it's pretty small and you have to apply to get in. And so not everyone can use it to learn. 
What's the outcome of each one of these? Like if I go through the bubble boot camp, what can I expect my outcome can be? If I go through the immerse program, which I feel like calling it immerse accelerator because it's more an accelerator. Yeah, it is more an accelerator. Yeah. For sure. What is my outcome there and what kind of community will I connect with? And if I hire a coach, what do I expect there? What are my outcomes? And again, just disclaimer or whatever you want to call it, like I'm genuinely effing interested, you guys. This is oh, yeah. not an I didn't ad. Know I was going to have to answer these questions. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I was also flying by the seat of his pants, which is great. <laughs> okay, so your expected outcome. I'll start with the boot camp. You'll escape with the community of the other seven people who did the boot camp with you, which I think is extremely valuable because building is often best done in groups. You leave with a relationship with the person who is the instructor for the program, which is also beneficial and helpful in terms of when you get stuck later. And most people will leave the bootcamp with an app that they spent the bootcamp building. So now you have your app, it works, you can go out and get some feedback. For the Immerse program, it's very similar to bootcamps in the sense that you leave with the community of the Immerse Accelerator, uh, the other people in your cohort, also the alumni who had been through the program before, and relationships with instructors who are part of it. But I think the little bit of the difference there, because it's an accelerator program, the winner of, I guess, the cohort who uh, is the best pitch at Pitch Demo Day gets into the Antler Accelerator, which is really exciting. Also, different founders from the group. You know, as the director of the program, I work a lot with, you know, VCs and other accelerators, and I try to make those introductions. And so, hopefully, you can also get your foot in the door at those uh, types of institutions as well. And for the coach, I guess you get the relationship with the coach and the advice that the coach can give you. And it's funny because I'm speaking on this now. It's very difficult to see the value in that until you started building, hit a wall, Googled, and just like not really known what to do next. Mm. Because a coach can, in ten minutes, be like oh, you built this wrong. Just delete this, put this over there and boom, it works. Right. Mm. Um, and so it, that's one of those, once you kind of get what you're doing and you're trying to do increasingly complex things because no code is so early, there's actually a very small number of people who know how to do everything and having access to those people is extremely valuable. One, how do you apply to each one? And I have other, I'm just, I'm so hyped on that. Like, I think I'm <laughs> going to want to go through one of your programs. Like I'm not, oh, yeah. And actually with that, Okay. Mm -hmm. So I have three questions that I just wrote down, but for everybody that knows they want to build, but they don't know what to build, do you have to know if you're going through the Immerse Accelerator or if you're going mm -hmm. through the bootcamp, do you need to know what your idea is first? Or can you go in there sans idea, just knowing like I dream of being a founder? Yeah. So the bootcamps, you can go in with nothing. You can basically show up and say, I want to learn this platform, or I want to learn how to build this one idea. It's completely indifferent. It's up to you. And the bootcamps you can sign up for on our website, I think it's bubble.io slash bootcamps. Um, and you can sign up for different bootcamps. There's usually at least 10 offered at any given moment. The Immerse Accelerator, you do have to have an idea and a little bit of traction in the form of a wait list or some beta users who are interested in the idea that you've described, but you don't need to have any product made at all because the point of the accelerator is for us to help you build that. And where do you apply for that? That would be bubble.io slash immerse, which is spelled I-M-M-E-R-S-E. The application is available right on the website. And yeah. so integrations, you know, another hot company right now is circle.so. Have you heard of circle? I'm not. I'd love to be educated. So it's a community company. It's kind of like, you know, everybody's been using Slack for community. So circles mm -hmm. taking it intended for community. Slack was never intended for community. It was intended for right. team communication, right? Does bubble have integrations with different tech companies like that, where you could plug in the circles of the world and the, it could super boost what you're building on Bubble? 
We do. This is one of the most exciting things about Bubble is that early on, Emmanuel and Josh, who are the co-founders, quickly realized that if they had to build everything themselves, it would take 100 years for it to be really useful. And so what they did is they've opened it up and Bubble has thousands of plugins that you can use within the Bubble plugin store. Some are free, some are not. And you can connect it to your platform and then you can make calls to different platforms like the ones that you mentioned, like Circle. We also have these types of integrations. Um, we have integrations with a few different companies. It's, it's I'm blanking right now on which specific ones, but we do have those formally. And then thirdly, any API that you can think of, you can connect to your Bubble app. Um, you just have to make sure you're following whatever the protocols are for that API. As part of my Bubble test, I had to make a Google API, super easy, but there are ones that are more complex. And if it can be done with a regular app, it can be done with a Bubble app. It's just a matter of learning the the language, I guess. And I remember when I first learned about the term API, it was through my co-founder who was my CTO, but that's, I think like we have 50-50. We have 50% of listeners right now being like, what's an API? And then 50% of listeners saying, Esprit, get on with it. So just real (laughs) quick, uh, what's an API? I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this because I too only learned what an API was six months ago. An API is basically just an intermediary that allows two different parts of the internet to talk to each other. So if I have one platform that needs information about where someone is on a map and Google is a different platform that tracks that information, I can use an API to have Google send that information to my platform and I can use Google's features or in this case, the map function by creating that API or sorry, using the instructions of Google's API to connect their platform to my platform. So it's a little bit of a roundabout way of explaining it, but it's the way that it makes the most sense to me, which is just if I'm here and they're there and I want to talk to them, an API is what makes that happen. To be fully open as I always am, I know it's not going to be your favorite thing to talk about, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because I'm all about yeah. protecting the audience. Why should we go with Bubble instead of one of the competitors out there? Like what's the unique offering that Bubble has that we can't find with your competitors? I think the answer is really just open-endedness, right? At this point now, there've been a few new players in the no-code space that can make you, they'll call it an app in the box, right? So if I show up and I want to build a marketplace, you can go to one of the other competitors and they have basically taken care of 80% of the work for you. And they give you a basically almost complete marketplace. And you can just kind of customize the profile pictures or customize how you want the page color to be. They don't necessarily allow you to change just the bones of what that platform is going to be. And if, say, three months into building that platform, now you want to change it from a marketplace to a social network, it's basically Mm. impossible because you've locked yourself into that earlier version. Get out. With Bubble, (laughs) you, you can build it as a marketplace and then three months later, change it into a social network. And then three months later, change it back into a marketplace because you are the person who built every single aspect of that platform. and You didn't need to write code to make that happen. And so that to me is the real differentiating factor is you can do literally whatever you want, which is terrifying for some people. But I I think, especially as someone who's been an early stage founder, that sort of freedom to know any sort of feedback I get from my customers, any sort of feedback that I get, I can integrate and change immediately and not need a developer to pay, you know, charge thousands of dollars to do that. That is for me, the real differentiating factor. Which is the most famous word in startup culture pivoting, which we do all the time. We just pivot, pivot, pivot. (laughs) So the the likelihood that we will change back and forth is highly likely. Extremely high. (laughs) It's really funny, actually, like one of the hardest conversations I have um, as director of the Immerse Accelerator with uh, prospective founders is I often ask like, what, what will you do? Like, do you have any plans to change your platform in the next six months? And 
most of them are first time founders. They'll be like, no, this is it. I figured it out. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, okay, like, you don't know this yet, but you're probably going to abandon this entirely and do something new in the next six months because that's just what it is. You know, if, 100%. if you're not changing based off of feedback you're getting, then, you know, you're building a platform that no one wants and 100%. nobody wants something that no one wants. A hundred percent. How can people connect with you online? Yeah. Um, the easiest way to reach me is to email me. Um, I know that's boring, but it's my name, which is Y-A-W at bubble.io, which is spelled B-U-B-B-L-E.io. I respond to all my emails within a day or two. I'm going to regret saying this publicly, but it's still the truth today. So yeah, reach out. I definitely respond. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my Instagram handle is Fresh Prince Akeem, which is spelled F-R-E-S-H-P-R-I-N-C-E-A-K-E-E-M. Um, and my Twitter account is at Y-A-W-O-B underscore. So when we spoke on the phone before this interview, you told me, about the Merce Accelerator and how much it meant to you. And I felt so connected to your story behind it. Um, I'd love for you to share that with everybody listening. Sure. So for context, uh, Immerse Accelerator is a bubble run accelerator that helps underrepresented founders build their products without code and connects them to the tech ecosystem. We just ran through our first cohort last year and we ended in a demo day where our winner, Marissa Solomon, is now in the Antler Accelerator. And to explain like why I built this, so when I decided to join Bubble, um, it was because Emmanuel, the co-CEO, and I had been having conversations about how do we talk about the company and how it's basically built to try to increase the accessibility of people to, to build, right? Like before you had to be a software programmer from Stanford. Now anyone who just learns a no-code platform can build a platform. And so how do we do that, but also talk about how that cuts against the institutional biases and, and systemic barriers that prevent women, people of color, um, LGBTQ folks from getting into the tech space because you know now that kind of has the ability to maybe level that playing field. And I related to that on a very personal level because I used to be a founder. And when I was going to different pitch meetings and talking to different investors, like my co-founder was also a woman. So we were kind of going in there facing all the barriers you could imagine. It was really tough because I saw firsthand as a person who's extremely privileged, I'm still struggling to raise this money. I'm still struggling to be seen and heard. I mean, if I, as a person of this privilege, have this struggle, just how much more does a person who didn't go to the type of school I went to, didn't work at the types of companies that I did, to really break into this space? And so I wanted to build a program, an accelerator, that shows that just because you didn't go to Stanford or Princeton, or just because you're not you know, an expert programmer, doesn't mean you don't have real value to provide to the world. It doesn't mean that you don't have an idea that's worth building and you can build it yourself and show them it's worth building. I built it myself. Look at these people using it. And then the investors can't use the same tricks that they typically do. Can I see more mm -hmm. traction? I don't know what it looks like, whatever. You come out of the Immerse Accelerator and it's like, I had this vision, I have these customers and I have this product. Let's have a conversation. And I find that that is extremely empowering. And so I wanted to make sure I opened that up to as many people as I could and yeah, so I just kind of put together the Immerse Accelerator as quickly as I could last year, and it went pretty well. And this year, I'm really excited to open it up to different underrepresented groups so we can really show that when you allow people to build their heart's vision um, without creating barriers in the form of hiring developers or paying lots of money, uh, you can really see not only innovative new products that are worth listening to, but just a change in the ecosystem and how we talk about being an entrepreneur which is really, really exciting. So would love to have more people be a part of it. It's going to be great. And how many cohorts have you already done? Has it just been one? 
We've just done one cohort, yes. Um, and and for those of you who don't know who, what a cohort is, it's it's like a group. It's like a session. Uh, it's like a, how many times has, has the group gone? Um, yeah, I explain yeah. it like uh, if this was a sport, it's a season, right? So we yeah. had season one and uh, we're doing season two this, uh, this year. Remind me how many people are allowed in each one? Sure. Um, last year, we accepted 10 founders. Uh, this year, we're accepting up to 16 founders. Um, what do you look for? Sessions. What do you look oh. for in criteria? Yeah. So we look for three different things. Um, Cause that's not that many people, right? Like so not, many people small. apply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do is focus the most on people who are the most, I guess you would say passionate or people who have been the most invested. We try to find the founder. This is an anecdotal explanation and then I'll give a more like concrete explanation. The anecdotal explanation is we're trying to find this person who's been working on this idea for months, maybe years. They have an extensive wait list of customers. They've talked to them. They know exactly what their pain points are. Maybe they've actually been in the industry that they're building for, for years. So they really understand it. And the only thing preventing them from taking that next step to raise money or to go back to the customers they're talking to is having a product. And they can't build that product because they're either non-technical and they can't build it themselves, or they can't afford the $50,000 to pay someone to do it. We're trying to find that person and be like, okay, we'll give you the product. We'll teach you how to build it yourself. And now you don't need us. You can go off and thrive. What that means concretely, uh, the founder, first off, has to fit whatever the demographics that we're going for. Our first cohort was for Black and Afro-Latinx founders. This cohort is open to all founders of color. So if you're a founder of color, if you have a clear problem that you're trying to solve and a clear solution that is a web app, (gasps) I want to introduce you to Tanisha. Okay. Oh, of going. course. I'd love to meet Tanisha. Oh, yeah. I don't know um, why. I did... Yeah. Amazing. Sorry. That's <laughs> my great. friend who I was telling Yao about before we started the interview, who is amazing and uh, trying to build an app where she knows nothing about the tech world. And she's oh, brilliant. Are perfect. Yeah. That's exactly who we're looking for. That person. Because there's so many of them, right? And so, yeah, you, you're a founder who fits that criteria. You've been working on your idea. You have a clear idea of what the customer pain points are. You have a clear solution that is a web app. That's also important. Many people have problems that are not necessarily solvable through an app. And then on top of that, it's just you've spent the time to build traction in any way you can, either through you know simple surveys that you've done for different customers, or you've been working with a data group for, I don't know, a few weeks or months or years. Those are kind of the qualifying criteria. And I guess the tiebreaker typically goes to how much time or energy they've spent on that customer discovery process. Very cool. I love it. I love how passionate you are about it. So a couple last questions. You said that you get back to all emails within a day or two. Do you have any secret sauce formula to be able to? Because that is definitely not me. (laughs) I can't get back to emails that fast. I, I would say the biggest secret is anxiety. After a while, I just like absolutely have to get through them. But no, I, I time block my emails. So I reserve on my calendar an actual time period. It, it varies by day. And I have to get through all my emails in that time. And if I can't respond to someone in that time period, then it kind of follows on to the next day. But I've never had so many, even though you know all the applications for the Immerse Accelerator yeah. come directly to my inbox, which is hundreds. I still to this point haven't had it where the carryover lasts more than a day or two. So, you know, maybe ask me in a year when it gets much crazier. (laughs) Is it how long the duration do you time block? And is it every Monday through Friday? Yeah. So it's about an hour per day, which sounds like both a lot and not enough. But what I like about it is it's a forcing function. Like I have to look at this email and I have to respond. So I'm going to say something, right? And you'd be shocked how many emails you're basically just procrastinating because you, you know, you have the time to procrastinate. 
And if you're forced to make a response, like you can make yeah. a pretty quick response. Yeah. One of the biggest uh, entrepreneurial lessons that I've learned in my career is be decisive. Mm-hmm. Like even if you make the wrong decision, it will work. Just be decisive. I saw a quote from someone who I'm not necessarily saying I love, but uh, is, has accomplished incredible things, Meg Whitman. And she basically said a quick no is always better than a slow yes. Um, mm. And it was just kind of getting at that idea, which is you can sit and you can opine on things forever, but you kind of go with your gut and some data that you have and make a decision at the end of the day, moving quickly is often better than spinning around in circles trying to make the best decision. hundred percent. A selfish little question is what time of day do you yeah. block it? Because now I want to improve my emails. <laughs> uh, let's see. I like four to five PM. PM. That's when I like to do it. I also sometimes will do like 10 to 11, which is the beginning of my day. It really just kind of depends on how I'm feeling the day before when I'm planning it. And also I'm not going to lie. Like if I have a downtime and I see a few emails in there, the anxiety kick will pick up and I'll be like, this mm. will take me five minutes. Done, 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 done. Back to my life. So that also helps too. And what is your process for planning the night before? I'm not sure I have a process. I think I just kind of ask myself, how productive am I going to be the next day? Which mm. I can usually tell at the end of the day. Um, mm. If I've had a rough day, I will not be productive the next morning. If the day's been okay, then I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, I'll take an hour tomorrow morning and just like power through emails. I'll feel really excited like I've done something and that'll give me energy to the rest of the day. It's really just about checking in. And I think because as a side note also, I just have built personal processes of self-reflection every day. Like every day I journal, every day I think about how I'm feeling it makes it really easy for me to make these gut decisions about how I'm going to spend my time the next day. Interesting. And then the last question that I love to ask everybody. So other than bubble, of course, what is your favorite tool, software, hardware, website, anything, mobile app? Yeah, I would say it's probably Spotify. Although YouTube is starting to grow on me. And the reasons I say this is I'm obsessed with music. I spend at least four hours a day just listening to music. Um, and that's not necessarily counting the amount of time I spend doing work while listening to music. And so I, when I was younger, I remember I was one of those people, look at me incriminating myself. I had LimeWire, I would like go on, be like, I love this artist, I absolutely have no money to buy anything, you know, and I would like spend all this time looking for music. And so when Spotify came out, I was one of the earliest users because I was like, you're telling me I can have access to all of this like for free or for 10 bucks. And I still have that same childlike joy when you know a new artist drops an album and I don't have to pay for it, it makes me really, really happy. So Spotify is my answer. YouTube is growing on me because YouTube music is starting to get a little bit better as a platform. But for productivity, it's definitely Canva. As I've learned Canva more and gotten better at just picking designs that make sense, I found that I can take an idea from nothing to fruition extremely quickly because I'll go on Canva, look up a logo and be like, that looks interesting, draw something based off of it, look up a web page design that looks interesting, make something off of it. And I don't have to be just like a super great designer, but I can build build yeah. or make basically anything. Yeah. So. Canva is like, for all of those who are Photoshop allergic like me, Canva mm-hmm. is the easiest way to design something quickly, like mm-hmm. super quick, like just drag and drop kind of, exactly. all the templates exist. Yeah, I use Canva on the regular. One last thing, I wasn't going to ask you this, but I think it's a really rad story. And if you'd be comfortable yeah. sharing it, um, the story of how you got here. How I got. Yeah. Here. Like how you got to the U.S. and everything. like you have the craziest story. Oh, yeah, that is true. OK, so <laughs> I was actually born in Ghana and uh, I was born in Kumase, which is the center of the Ashanti group within Ghana. Both of my parents were born in villages in that region 
you know, your typical story, like not a lot of running water, you know, they had to walk miles to go to school. Most people talk about that, like, like it's a joke. Both of my parents came from that. And so they kind of represent that wanting to move to the U.S. and make a better life for themselves. Um, my dad had been working with an American company. And so he managed to get them to, you know, let us immigrate to the United States. And so we moved to the U.S. My dad was working in Manhattan at the time. And two days after we moved to the U.S., 9-11 happened, which was absolutely terrifying <laughs> for us as a family. But it really spoke to just the drive that, you know, I described to my parents in that they saw that. My dad actually walked the George Washington Bridge home the day of 9-11. And we stayed because my parents were really, really committed to trying to create the most opportunity they could for us. I mean, I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be talking to you if my parents hadn't had the courage to uproot their lives, move here and stay even in the face of what looks like extreme fear and terror. And so I, I try to carry that courage and that drive and motivation in the way that I carry myself. It's a lot of why I'm so passionate about building programs for underrepresented founders and thinking about those who aren't in the mainstream and maybe are going through things you might not notice because I come from that. Um, and I want to make sure to give back in any way that I can. And then getting into Princeton, mm -hmm. like that's hard for about everybody. So, it and it's hard, not only from an intellectual level, but uh, from all the levels, how right. were you able to create that opportunity for yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, a large part of it was my parents motivating me. I think, um, more and more psychological studies are coming out to confirm this, but as someone who is from an underrepresented group, not only do you face the explicit discrimination of, oh, are you a woman? I don't think that you're going to math, right? You also face what's called stereotype threat, which is the internalized idea that the stereotypes that are ascribed to you is true. So I remember growing up, um, the first elementary school I went to in New Jersey, I was the only Black person in the entire school, and 95% of the school was white people. And so I don't remember most of the details of what that looks like, but I carried with me all of the stereotypes ascribed to, a, you know, the one black kid in the school. And my parents made sure every day to really reinforce, yeah, you're really intelligent. Yeah, you're going to do great things. Don't worry about what's going on in the world. Like, we're here for you. We care about you. Like, you can do this. And I think I remember fighting it growing up, but I think that's honestly what pushed me because mm -hmm. at some point around middle or high school, it clicked and I started to believe them. Be like, I'm actually doing quite well in school. I mean, no one is telling me that except my parents, but I'm just going to go for it, right? Like, I'll take the hard classes. I'll take even harder classes. And this second piece, I think, is another thing that helped is your network. As, you know, people in the tech community, everybody knows your network is extremely important. But as a young student, what I found was as I started to take these hard classes, I started to be in circles with other people who are doing the Ivy League thing which is a whole thing that starts freshman year. You take these classes, you do these volunteer hours, you start this, whatever. I knew nothing. My parents didn't know about this, but these other students did. And because I showed and gained the respect by doing well in school, they were like, oh, come hang out with us. Like we're applying for this. Come find out about these things. And so through that network, because my parents had worked hard to put me in a school where I could have access to that, I kind of learned a little bit of the tips and tricks of how to make your college application compelling. And so that I think combined with just the hard work that I had to put in, which I'm not going to discount, I think is what put me over the top. It's a crapshoot, you know, like many people also deserve to get it. And, but so I'm very grateful that it worked out for me, but I couldn't have done it without my parents pushing me, even when it seemed difficult and in the face of honestly discrimination on all fronts and also the networks of students who took me in and really showed me how it works because without that, I wouldn't be here. And now you even give back, you work, I, I don't remember the name of the organization. It's not Boys and Girls Club, but what what is it where you go and you mentor? 
Oh, I mentor people pretty informally. At the moment, I think, especially because of COVID, I, I'm not affiliated with a specific organization, but through my parents' church, which they run a church in Princeton, and they serve the local community, I used to teach uh, like Sunday school there. And the students who I used to teach there, I still mentor. So I check in with them each week. Um, I'm helping a lot of them go through their college applications right now. And I also help them with their job interviews and mentorship and that sort of sense. But yeah, no, I'd love to. I'm glad you brought that up. I'd love to find an organization to make this easier because, you know, 10 different text conversations with people is a little bit overwhelming, but I see it more as a duty than, you know, uh, like a, a choice. And I'm grateful for that duty. So I love these kids. So cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? Yeah. And this is just something I always say, and Esprit, you heard me say this about the, when I met you, um, is just take care of yourself. I think that we all love to just be go, go, go. And it's great. It's honestly fuels the founder mentality and being passionate. And I'm that same type of person, but I just highly encourage people to just take five minutes in each day and just check in with yourself. There's a lot going on and it's just been really hard, especially given you know the pandemic. So highly encourage everyone. Self-care is important. It doesn't always look like a bubble bath. It could just be watching TV for five minutes. Take care of yourself. You're important. I love that. I love that. Headspace meditation. That's one of the things I've been doing to combat my anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Even just a three minute meditation, it counts. It, it, counts. Makes, it seriously matters. It's, it's just about putting in the effort and trying because you yeah. matter enough to try. I love that. Thank you so much for hanging out with our podcast. So to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary people in the LA Tech community, remember to go to the wearelatech.com slash community to go straight to the Facebook group. Say hello on social, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook at We Are LA Tech. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hi, my name is Yao Wawisubwahan, and I lead founder inclusion on the growth team at Bubble. Bubble is a no-code platform that enables anyone to build web apps without code. And you are listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Anna Freebay. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.